When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And not with me, as ever, is Barat Sundaresan. Because, ladies and gents, this is actually a crossover episode. We've got Barat Sundaresan from Australia uh, on 99.94 DM. But we're going to let West Indies take the lead on this one because we have to get some kind of we have to get some kind of, uh, uh, what do we call it, consolation prize <laughs> after that horror tour of Australia. So, carry it on. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So, please rate, review and subscribe. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. So, Barat. I said this is a crossover episode. Usually, if Santoki was here, Wi-Fi pending, I'd say, Santoki, take it away. But Barat, how are you? Take it away. (laughs) I'm doing very well. Uh, And don't forget, Michelle, I am still the Hulk Hogan of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I was the first ever world champion on this podcast. I think the episode we did, like, what it feels like five years ago. Uh, But you guys have uh, grown, like, you know, in strength Literally every week since then. Uh, but I'm still the reigning champion, reigning defending champion. So uh, I, I think more than Hulk Hogan, I'm more like the Brock Lesnar. So I come, I win a title and then I just go away. So <laughs> that's been me on the show uh, in the past. But no, it's good to be in a co-hosting position uh, with you uh, to take over from Santo. Okay, look, he's East Indian. I'm kind of uh, uh, my heart, as you well know, beats uh, for the West Indies, always has. And I had the pleasure of uh, sharing the radio commentary box with Ian Bishop and uh, for SEN during this uh, two-match series. And it was awesome fun. Like, there were times when only Bish and I knew what we were talking about. I mean, we was, I was singing Calypsos for him on air. This is, I'm uh, speaking to him in a Trini accent. I'm talking about Lyman. And I'm uh, we're talking about the geopolitics of the Caribbean and the Australian journalists or the Australian commentators would just let us be. They were like, okay, I, these guys seem to be having fun. We'll just let them be. But it was great fun uh, having Ian Bishop um, with us. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a... We it's a narrative we've we've all seen and heard before, haven't we? Uh, West Indies come and uh, they get squashed. I mean, especially the Adelaide Test. If if say the order was reversed, right, Michelle? If Adelaide had happened first and Perth had happened second, I think the narrative would have been a little more positive. Because mm. I'll put it this way: I mean, look, we it's you and me on on a show. We have to bring wrestling analogies, right? We have already spoken wrestling. <laughs> I have anyway. So if Adelaide was a squash match, like if Adelaide was West Indies being Brooklyn brawler, uh, I think the Perth Test is it was one of those performances. You know, you look at it and you're like, maybe two years from now they might get a shot at the Intercontinental title. Does that make sense <laughs> to you? I think it makes yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it makes total sense. Uh, you, you you kind of give that title shot to a young up and comer and you put them over in defeat 
it's good to hear. Obviously, I knew you were on with Bish, and I think it was a bit frustrating for, depending on where people are at and depending mm. what particular broadcast company's feed they had to deal with. Obviously, in the UK, um, we had, I think we had the Fox feed coming through Fox, to, yeah. to BT Sport. And it, I mean, Brian Lara obviously was there as the kind of West Indian representative. But, and I say this with ultimate respect to Brian Lara, Bish is a different kettle of fish when it comes to commentary because Bish is still currently heavily invested yes. in what goes on in the in in the West Indian domestic game. Um, so probably has a bit more range in terms of looking at the myriad of issues and problems and putting things into context. And I guess going off the back of what you said there about both Perth and Adelaide and You've 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 been in Australia for a while now. You've seen many a tour inside come to Australia, and I, I guess I want you to explain to me just how out of the norm was that mm. West Indian performance, though. I mean, I've done some bits and pieces on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast mm. where I've made reference to um, tourists who have travelled, whether it be England, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, even New Zealand recently, where yeah. they've they've got zero in the wins column as well. So. Based on what you saw in both Perth and Adelaide, try your best to put it in the context of, we'll keep injured to one side for a minute, but try to put it in the context of touring sides to Australia. How far away was that just the norm? It it was far away from the norm just uh, because, or there are a few factors why it was far away from the norm. Look, like you're right, winning in Australia is not easy. Very few teams have done that. South Africa have done that very or quite a few times uh, and Australia are about to face South Africa they have to set the record straight at home against South Africa India like you said have won two series back to back in the space of three years but other teams have come and not done well New Zealand haven't won a test match here in a long time they won in 2011 but that was a one-off I think that could well be the only test match that they won in this century and we're already entering the 23rd year of this century uh, but I think it's it's in terms of uh there were periods of play with the West Indies, and I say this with a heavy heart, Michelle, where mm. they did look substandard. Like, you know, they did not look up to international standard, on the field especially. Uh, with the, Yes, there were limitations in Adelaide with injuries. And I mean, where else do you see, like, a 36-year-old club cricketer come and field <laughs> uh, in a test match, right? I, I felt bad for him. But I was so sweet to see him pose for the team photo. And then I, I would see him sign autographs for those kids. I have no idea what those kids would go and tell their friends. Like, you know, when they ask, <laughs> whose who's signature is that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you... Uh, would have to be a proper cricket nerd to know who Omar Phillips is like as a kid to go and tell someone else and for them to know who you're talking about. But I think there were periods of play even in Perth. Um, I go back to the first session where the West Indians started really strongly. They gave nothing mm-hmm. away. Uh, it was They made life very difficult for, for, for the Australians. But then Roston Chase bowling those four overs and going for 20-odd I think after that, that that was the last time the series remained competitive. Yes, I mean, Craig Brathwaite and uh, Tej Narayan Chandapal batted beautifully and uh, gave gave West Indies some hope. In the first test, they, you know, overall, they batted over 200 overs across two innings, which is good to see. Uh, but, you know, the gulf in class was a bit too evident, uh, which is mm. generally 
hasn't always been the case even when say Pakistan and New Zealand that summer was when Australia ran roughshod none of the test matches went into day 5 at least West Indies took the Perth test into day 5 but uh, Pakistan was smashed but you would see like periods where somebody would put their hand up and, and get a score like someone would make a 100 Tom Blundell made a 100 I remember famously at the MCG uh, one bowler would stand out and take like four or five wickets so or make an impression mm. at least I think here even the fact that we are celebrating Tej Narayan Chandapal for having batted 100 balls he made 150 <laughs> and, and he's like you know he's being built up as this great positive story oh West Indies have found themselves a long-term test opener it's it's true I mean you have it's relative I'm not taking anything away from what Chandapal did but if that is the biggest takeaway from for a for 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 a team from that tour you know that kind of puts it into perspective about you know, how far the gulf in class was. And and, and I remember having this conversation with uh, Ian Bishop, like around tea time on day one at Perth. This is, like, see, West Indies, I always compare them, the test team, the bowling team, to one of those soccer teams who play really defensive football, right? Mm-hmm. A, a very defensive football, and they hit, hit you on the counter. So if West Indies had bowled the way they did, the seamers in particular, in those conditions to a Bangladesh or Sri Lanka or even England, they would have had the opposition six for 150. But when you're up against Manas and Usman Khawaja and Steve Smith, who thrive on, on just batting, who are so hungry to be out there, or, mm. or for that matter, an Indian batting lineup, or even a New Zealand batting lineup, I think that's where... That, and then you just, what's your plan B? What's your plan C? Unfortunately, it is Rostin Chase and Craig Brathwaite. I think that's those were bits where, as a neutral, you had to like say, yeah, I mean, they just were not good enough to compete at this level uh, against an Australian team in these conditions. I think all, I think all that's spot on. And and already, this is why I was so glad to to kind of uh, do do this kind of co-hosting gig with you on, on this episode because, yes, I know West Indian blood ble- bleeds through you uh, and you want, <laughs> you want us to do well, but you also are able to offer what I would say a neutral perspective on it. There, there's, there's no kind of allegiance to... Australia, okay. There's a bit, of, there's a bit of allegiance to West Indies, but there's no allegiance to yeah. Australia. But you can offer a bit of a neutral, a neutral line on it. Um, but speaking of that, because another point that I kind of made about um, that that kind of golfing class, I did say uh, in one in one of the things we recorded on Caribbean Cricket, Pod- Cricket Podcast that it is, a, it was, sorry, a six year gap since we last went to Australia, and I, and I just don't know, Barrett. I, I mean, and and we we turned up with loads of debutants in terms of Australian yeah. conditions. True. I just don't know, Barra, if any international side could have a six-year gap. I mean, well, technically South Africa, but I don't know if any international side could have a yeah. six-year gap come to Australia with only four players that had ever been before and expect to to bridge the gap. They could be more competitive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to try and pretend yeah. that. The gods are against West Indies and there's nothing oh, no, we no, can no, do no. about it. Yeah. But I just, I mean, to me, it speaks of a world cricket issue where you're almost feeding us to the Lions. You already know that. Australia already know there's a gap in quality and then we're turning up yeah, every yeah. six years to get mauled. And everyone questioned <laughs> why we've turned up in the first place. Do you think there's a sense of that as well? It is. I mean, I think what uh, the Australian public or the Australian cricket community was disappointed 
with was there was so much expectation from this young fast bowling attack alzari mm. joseph and and i saw him in hobart i i've seen alzari joseph in the past but the way he was bowling during the t20 world cup in hobart when he was hitting 150 regularly and different format yes but uh you could see that there was something really exciting about him and and then you come to perth and i really expected him to be the standout and I, there were two narratives that were playing in my mind one played out perfectly was tejnarayan chandapal making runs or at least spending time enough time out there so that the, mm. the australian commentators have enough time to talk about chandapal and how he looks like chandapal uh, yeah. and also get the get his name right at at, at after a point uh and the other thing was i really expected alzari joseph or jaden seals to have that one spell i'm not saying they would have taken 7 for 12 but like mm. a three wicket burst in one session where uh people would be like ah at least it's good to see a west indian fast bowler do what we expect from west indian fast bowlers look i'm the last person to compare this team with uh the great west indies team because that happened 40 years ago <laughs> it's like it, it, in wrestling terms like it, do we ever compare john cena with bruno san martino or whoever <laughs> one of those guys <laughs> it's like I, i mean the west indies have not been a very good team or forget about not being a very good team that dominant era ended in 95 in 3 hmm. years michelle will be 30 years since that happened right since australia beat west indies uh and that great dominant era even even if you take back take it back to 1976 lasted for 19 years so hmm. west indies have not been very good for almost double the time that they were very very good so yeah. at some point we need to stop like you know looking back all the time but I guess within an Australian perspective they had no other uh, that was my preview for the first test like the stars of the show um, leading up to the series were Michael Holding, Brian Lara, Carl Hooper yeah. and Ian Bishop right I mean they yeah. were the ones who featured heavily in the promo uh, so I think that those were the elements that uh, disappointed the Australians the fact that nobody put their hand up like an Alzari Joseph had that one spell against Manas Labuschagne right so I asked Rostin Chase what had happened to him on day one he said he had a headache i know him really well he had a headache so he couldn't bowl fast fair enough so after he's bowled that spell to Manas we all expected at least him to have that a couple of bursts at Manas for the Australians in Adelaide and and it didn't happen i mean the first two overs of that pink ball test For me, the game finished there. I mean, Alzari, mm. Joseph, and Jason Holder. There was nothing. They were literally, you know, the ball was barely getting to the keeper. I mean, that's an overstatement, but there was no fire in uh, at either end, and you mm. know, it kind of ended. And then uh, Craig Brathwaite takes some strange decisions on the field. I must say, uh, brings on Rostin Chase, and uh, before he goes to Anderson Philip and Marquino Mindley, which again didn't make sense. I think those were elements that really. you know led to this whole talk of oh my god west indies are coming next year what do we do about it because you've already like overplayed the nostalgia element this time <laughs> so what do you build <laughs> i think that's a bigger concern for them than uh, what really happens on the field like what do we put in the promo now like michael holding said shh like you know i'm whispering whatever he said right like the listen <laughs> the the, are, they they did the big they did the big like wrestlemania cena rock my way <laughs> my way promo how on earth can they plug it again a year from now i i have, I have no idea <laughs> but you know barrett let's take a quick break and then on the other side let's talk about or let's try to uh talk about an an, an analogy between a side that has been to australia and and one 
I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. So we're back, we're back, uh, we're back people and we're just going to, let's... I mean, so much has been said about it. You've written a book on it, Barat, which is soon to come out. So feel yes. free to plug. But um, we mentioned near the top of the show that, of course, India have, on their two most recent tours of Australia, have turned Australia over. So it's not impossible to mm. to to win in, to win in Australia. And I'm sure England could learn some lessons, given that the Ashes is given um, primary feature, um, that England would want to learn some lessons from how India did it. But... It seems silly to say what lessons can West Indies learn from India when the gap between West Indies and India is big enough anyway. But before the break, you spoke about the bowlers not living up to their billing, and they didn't. Uh, And I agree with you, that was disappointing. I wasn't there live, so I'm eager to see what you say about it. I just got the sense that the bowling attack, and obviously there were injuries for Adelaide, but I got the sense that the bowling attack didn't quite know the lengths to bowl. I don't know if it was yeah. about the Kookaburra ball and not really knowing what you're supposed to do with that ball. Um, and also, I, I'm actually going to make reference to something you said earlier on as well. I think the lengths they were bowling would have caused weaker sides problems. So maybe yes. they got confused as to what's, why isn't this working? Why is Labashane happy to soak up 400 balls <laughs> and go along, his, uh, go along serenely? But having seen India turn over Australia with what was a weakened side, quote-unquote weakened yeah. side, the last time out, what is the key to success based on how, how does a tour inside do it in Australia? Is it as simple as looking at bowling line and lengths, or, or do you just need some luck? What, what does it boil down to for you, Barrett? I think you you need all of that. You need definitely need a lot of luck. You definitely need a very fixed plan where everybody buys into it and, and doesn't alter from it. And you're right. I mean, with the West Indies, uh, like I said in the first segment, uh, they, they're a side who kind of prey on the opposition batter's weaknesses. I mean, Jason Holder has taken most of his wickets like that. Yes, he's had spells where he seamed it around and helpful conditions. He's, he's run through sides. But, you know, his economy is his greatest strength. But uh, to guys like Manas and Usman Khawaja and Steve Smith, like I said earlier, uh, they're not going to make that mistake, right? You have to come to them. So you have to be braver. You have to be more courageous. You uh, Going back to the lengths that the West Indians bowled, in Perth, where the ball was doing a lot, whenever like Kyle Mayers looked the best bowler. I mean, Kyle, mm. <laughs> I mean, once again, sorry to sum this up, the best bowlers West Indies had throughout the series were Kyle Mayers and Devin Thomas. That mm. does not read very good if you are a West Indian fan, right? Um, so, and the reason for that was the lengths that they bowled. Uh, and you need to be brave. Like Even if you go for a few runs, if you just keep bowling fuller, like Alzari Joseph did to David Warner in that first innings in Adelaide, where he gets driven for four, three times, and then he keeps pushing it up, and then finally the mistake comes. So A, you need courage. And India showed a lot of courage during the 2020. 18-19 was different, uh, where they had a full-strength team. But in 2020-2021, they just showed courage. And another way to beat Australia and Australia, South Africa have done it really well, is to kind of always keep up with them, 
like what mm. i mean by that is one thing india did not allow australia to do regardless of what their bowling attack looked like in 2020 2021 was let them make 400 runs they never got to 400 mm. runs right in the first innings even at the gabba like people talk about rishabh pant's innings and uh, you know the final days play but i think the game was won much earlier where as well as manas batted and everybody else batted around him they were still bowled out within 400 even in the second innings where there was some so much talk about when will australia declare india bowled them out so they stuck to a plan india came with a very specific plan and they had the kind of bowlers to execute it as well where they said uh, we'll prey on the fact that these guys won't get out but we won't let them score either so steve smith wants to mm-hmm. make 100 we'll make sure he faces 400 balls manas wants to make 100 we'll make sure he'll score 400 balls and they really altered the way steve smith and manas started thinking about batting it's only during this summer that steve smith has broken out of that shell that india put him into where you know for those kind of batters they played so much with their ego that it was more about how am i as steve smith how am i going to thwart their plan to get me out rather than how am i going to score a double hundred right mm-hmm. that was the shift in mindset and that's what india did and also uh, they had batters who could just soak in the pressure right like you tej narayan chandrapal and craig brathwaite did well in the first innings and the second innings but you had to do it for longer like pujara batted nearly a thousand balls both times he scored a lot of runs in 2018 19 on slightly flatter pitches in 2020 2021 he didn't score big runs but he just got the australians coming at india in the fast bowlers bowling their fourth spells and their fifth spells that's the only way to beat beat australia and australia where you literally tire their bowlers down obviously it's more difficult in a two match series as compared to a four match series where by the time you get to test number 3 and 4 your fast australian fast bowlers have bowled so many overs because of the gumption you've shown that mm. they are have been worn down right and back then australia also made the mistake of picking the same attack for all four tests they didn't go neeser or boland or anyone else back then so a have a great plan b you just never i mean very it's a very difficult country to play catch up like the west indies were playing catch up throughout right okay not winning the toss doesn't help who knows if they had won the toss i mean maybe they would have been bowled out cheap <laughs> oh, yeah finish that sentence yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i mean no offense but i think australia would have bowled a lot better on the on day one in perth and day one in adelaide than what the west indies did but i mean that's the only way to uh really compete like kind of not so much focus on beating australia at their own game but have a strategy and stick to it and kind of beat them playing your game i think that's what raj especially after 36 all out in 2020 2021 of the a game that india dominated and just kind of lost in a freak session where like there were no plays and misses just edges and catches uh ajinkya rahane became becomes captain and he says that like you know we'll just beat them at at their game by sticking to what we have come here with we will not move away from our plan i think that's what uh, a visiting team need but for that you need some firepower like yes they lost players but uh you know shardul thakur has played so much first class cricket you you have to you can't compare india and west indies i know and i know you're not doing that <laughs> but i mean that's the blueprint that that they uh, and england were piss poor last year i mean they were clueless they were as bad as uh, in periods as the west indies were at least the west indies ex- till the last innings where you expected there would be one major collapse right by then yeah, they were yeah, gone yeah. they were a defeated lot like yeah so 
England had so many collapses. I mean, at one point, I know I tweeted a video out and I felt really bad about doing it, where like Rory Bones was practicing batting, hopping on one leg at the MCG and like, you know, Hasib Hamid is hopping on two legs. They just lost the plot. <laughs> they didn't know mm. what had happened to them. So, uh, and if West Indies had played a five-match series, I'm sure the same thing would have happened to them. Firstly, it would have meant that I would have played three of the toast test matches because they were literally that come down to me, Philip Spooner or me, who I, I seriously had told my radio station, like I might get a call tomorrow morning uh, and I might not show up for work because I might you might see me on the field. So if you want background information about me, I'll just message it to you in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, I think, yeah, it's... Um, a good reference to say England had lost the plot. I think for West Indies being a weaker side, we had lost the plot by by that second in. And and I think you're right as well. It's no consolation for any West Indian fan to hear it. But I think if you're a student of the West Indies game, we all expected something like a 77 all out at some point. Yes. If anything, I'm just surprised that it was the last innings of the tour that it happened because I thought it might have happened earlier on and then the second test becomes even harder and so on and so forth, which is why I think you're right to say, which you said at the beginning, if the tests had swapped round, I think people are walking out of the series going, well, you know, it was all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, this guy, I mean, they, he could be intercontinental champion in four years' time. We're not saying he'll be in the main event at WrestleMania, like, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, we're going to just take a, one last quick break and then on the other side, let's talk about plotting the way forward. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. Okay, people, we're back for the final segment of the show and uh, Barat, I, I do want to touch on it. I was up in an hour in whether I'd ask you because I'm wary that this can come across as bitter. Um, and maybe it is bitter. Maybe I just have to own it and yeah. say it sounds bitter. But I am also wary that when I've spoken about it in the past, I've had Australians come up to, come up to me and or send us messages and say, no, actually, we think the same. Barat, I just need to understand why are some... Australian cricket commentators, and we don't need to mention any names. We're not here to mention yeah. any names. But why are some so dismissive of? Do you know what I was going to say? The West Indies, but I, I might even say touring sides in general. Yeah, because I don't think it actually. Now I've looked at it and had a few days away from it all, and spoken to other people. I don't think it's specific to the West Indies, but um. There were, there were though, in that tour. I know, obviously, you had your own kind of radio broadcasting duties. So you may not yeah. have heard it as much, but I'm fairly certain you're familiar with it in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, very there, much. There, <laughs> there were quite a lot of ignorant comments made, bordering sometimes on arrogance. I don't know which one it is. Um, and I guess, again, we said it at the top, but by the end of the tour, there was far too many comments for my liking, which basically said, so what's the point of the West Indies test side? Um, Should they tour Australia? They need to get their house in order. And I don't know, Barrett, it just, it, it just felt too unkind for me. Maybe we need to hear those harsh words, but, and I know our golden era was a long, long time ago now, but there is a context we aren't on the same level playing field. And yeah. 
how do you just see all that? Because you, you and Bish were probably Carl Hooper, etc. Were fighting a losing battle and probably trying to put things in context and say, yeah. well, it's a bit deeper than just they're not very good. Um, yeah. But what's the what? For for the international audience or those listening to this particular episode, um, what's it? What is all that about? Why is so so much of it so kind of disparaging without context? Uh, where's this all come from? Look, I think from a very Australian concept, uh, Michelle. What I've understood, uh, having lived here for a few years, is that uh, they are. I mean, Australia is a very insular country I mean, to start with. Like it's opening up to the world now. Right, the lack of knowledge about what happens outside Australia, and actually at times even within other parts of Australia, is is shocking. But that's how it's been. I mean, it's it's an island cut away from the rest of the world, uh, and and they have historically lived in their own little little, little bubbles uh, long before COVID came along. So it's only in the last twenty years or so Australia as a country has started opening up to other cultures, understanding what happens. I mean, you look at some of those promos and when you talk about cricket, when the whole, uh, you know, come on Aussie, come on songs that were in, like in a way, they would have a different version for each visiting country back in the 80s and 90s. They were downright racist. I mean, they were blatantly racist. I mean, that's, but it it was almost, there was a feeling of like, but it's not we just we just take the mickey out of each other that's what we're doing it's we're not but that that's how the society was here but they've obviously become a lot more sensitive towards uh just the fact that there are people of other races there are people of uh other beliefs who have started calling australia home and who have been calling australia home for a while Mm. but that's just society but when it comes to sport they are insular to another level where in especially with cricket which is I think the one national sport which, uh, especially during the summer, uh, uh, and the soccerers don't play all the time, right? Like, it's they played in the World Cup, the whole country backed them. Now they're knocked out, it's all gone back to, you know, uh, back, okay, now let's move on to the cricket. Um, and it, the thing is, like, unless you have done well on Australian soil, whoever you are, like, I wrote a book on MS Dhoni, but I still think... A lot of Australians really don't know who MS Dhoni is because they don't really care about him because he never really had a great record in Australia. He never mm. had like a that moment. Yeah, I mean, he won a ODI in Adelaide, hit a six in the last over. But yeah, that doesn't count for, for much, right? Virat Kohli is revered because of uh, just who he is and how he's been and how valuable he has been for Cricket Australia in terms of mm. marketing and promoting. I mean, he's been marketed and promoted in Australia as much as he's been. Okay, maybe not as much as he's been, but uh, literally he's, it's halfway there to how much mm. he's, uh, you know, in the Indian market or that market is made uh, out of Virat Kohli's success and his popularity. So what I have seen over the years is when there is a visiting team, not just with the West Indies, they'll kind of cling on to one or two players uh, and who, which all the broadcasters do that uh, and, and even the media and then kind of b- weave a narrative around the visiting team based on that one guy like when New Zealand came it was more about it was all about Kane Williamson in 2019-20 mm-hmm. yes there were brief mentions of Bolt and Saudi and like how uh, they got excited this time about uh, Jaden Seals it was Lockie Ferguson in 2019-20 but it was still like it it was still Kane Williamson versus Australia, you would have thought. And right mm. before that, when Pakistan came, it was all about Baba, 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 Razam versus... And even with India, even now, I mean, the lack of information there exists about 
uh, even like an Ajinkya Rahane, even though he'd made three tours till that point. So when Virat Kohli leaves and Ajinkya Rahane becomes captain, Australia were like, oh yeah, this is the guy who made a hundred at the MCG, but you know, we don't really know much about him. Like, and, and, and honestly, Pujara, they had no... Because he spent so much time on their television sets, they had to start learning more about Pujara to talk about him, right? Like, what do you mm. say? How often do you say, Siddle Bowls, Pujara defense, right? You have mm. to move on from there. So, like, uh, I think, but that's that's just the insular nature of uh, of sports coverage in, in Australia. And it's not just TV commentators. And then once you have, like, former cricketers, you know, they come, uh, not all of them, but some of them come with that chip on their shoulder as well. Right? Why do I need to do my research? Like, why do I need to talk about... Uh, that's not my job, right? Like, mm. I'm here to bring my experience and my name value, brand value to this broadcast. So, uh, the, I mean, like, Kerry O'Keefe is... I love Kerry O'Keefe because he's one of those few uh, former cricketers turned commentators uh, around the world who does a lot of research. He's almost like Ian Bishop. He'll watch domestic cricket. Mm. I know in the past he's... He's tried to be his funny self and got himself in hot water when he said a bunch of things about Pujara. You'll remember in 2018-19 uh, and about uh, someone being from the railways team. And I think he's, he's you know, I, I think he's learned from that. But others just don't believe in doing that much research. Like, because... And, and it's not only their fault, Michelle. It's just the Australian audience as well. They really don't care. Cricket is not as big a sport in Australia, to be honest, where people are so invested in it that they want to know, or a majority of them want to know who the opposition is. They're like, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's the Ashes, they're like, yeah, okay, fine. We'll be hate Stuart Broad. We hate anyone who's a palm. I hate that word. But like, you know, anyone who, because you're a palm, we hate you. But mm. again, uh, I mean, if you were to like pull someone aside, uh, a, a, an average Joe, and ask him, tell me about Ollie Pope, you'll be like, who the fuck is Ollie Pope, mate? Like, mm. you know, because that's, they're not as invested as crowds in India or even in the Caribbean where I've been there and people know about people. Like Suresh mm. Rana, I was shocked to know that he was the most popular cricketer in the Caribbean for a brief while. I, was, I told him this, I was like, you're barely the most popular cricketer in one half of India, <laughs> but you know it's because they they make that effort. But it's 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 just the Australian consciousness with sport. It doesn't it's it's doesn't matter. Like you know, it, you Australian rules football, the National Rugby League, those are the sports that really matter, and they're played by Australians versus Australians mainly. So I think it's a it's more a cultural thing, uh, and. Look, and before before I finish, like just looking ahead, what really concerns me, and this has nothing to do with Australia, it's only to do with the West Indies, is what Roddy Estwick told me after he did a press conference one day in Adelaide. He said, look, the problem is that our FTP has, and you, you're, a, like, you're more on top of this than I am. According to Roddy Estwick, West Indies are slated to play 18 tests between now and the next five years. Yep. So we kind of... Did did some math, and so if you're Tej Narayan Chandapal, this is scary. It's a scary stat. Yeah. Tej Narayan Chandapal, who we were all excited about, he's 26 now. He's played two Test matches. So when Tej Narayan Chandapal turns 31, let's yeah. say he's played every one of those Test matches, and let's say he averages 50. Let's say he has a dream run. He averages 50. He would still be averaging 50, having played 20 tests at 31. So, you know what I mean? Which is a very, very scary thought when you think of what lies ahead for West Indian cricket. Like, who will be around in five years' time? And what's the motivation? Why should I hang around this team for five years 
and play 18 matches like how much money am i going to make with that yep. right like yeah if i am tej narayan chandrapal honestly i'm thinking you know that little snippet of me playing the hook shot becoming a happy hooker late at night in adelaide i'm going to work on that maybe that will be my next thing right i'm going to work on my white ball skills and make a living out of this sport uh, and that's how i would think uh, maybe there are others in the west indies uh, junior sides who think you yeah, okay 18 tests is 18 tests i still get to wear the west indian crest i mean you know better about it than i do i'm really glad you've made that point right at the very end and that to be fair barrett that's a podcast episode in itself because santoki has made a, a, a similar point we we leave this australia tour with everyone talking about tejnor and shandapur west indies play six test matches next year two, two in zimbabwe which haven't even been confirmed two in right. south africa then there's a massive gap i think of four months till india turn up and and then that's it two sorry so two tests with india and then th- that's it for the whole year so as you say and then they're back here <laughs> <laughs> yeah and right and then this is exactly the last <laughs> thing i want to talk about so for someone like a tayshandapur it's not financially viable to just play test cricket and that, and that's for anybody coming up through the west indies system you're now the 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 ftp and world cricket's organizers organizers sorry have essentially made it that if you come from an area like the west indies you better play t20 cricket because how are you going to up your financial uh, your financial uh, stakes if you don't try and play t20 cricket so i fully expect tage to have to become more of a f- stroke maker than a crease occupier if i'm if i'm honest with yeah. you but finishing then with that 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 ref that that reference you just made west indies do come back to australia literally in a not a well literally a year yeah because we'll be yeah. back in the country getting ready for that january tour at the beginning of 2024 i believe this is my belief uh, barat the australian public have no desire to see west indies return <laughs> to see west indies return in the year's time i doubt australian broadcasters have any desire to see us return in a year's time and we we joke about how do they plug it but i genuinely don't know how they it's a freak it's just a freak nature of the new ftp that we have to go back again yeah so i guess i just say this barat realistically not a whole lot can change between now and when west indies return yes we may well compete better in south africa i'd assume we'd still lose i'd like to believe that jasprit bumrah won't just run for us again when india turn up yeah. in the summer next year but then even once india go in the summer next year there's then a six month gap before we then play test cricket again and it's back in australia what what would you ideally what do you think is realistic for the west indies to do next time in australia <laughs> oh that's a that's a tough one like and you know the scarier bit shell is we can't forget that the west indies were here as a team since october or late <clears throat> september right they play that t20 series against australia and like it uh humiliated in the T20 World Cup so it's not even like maybe 4 years ago you could have said okay let's convert this test series uh as an idea into a T20 series you'll have bravo and gale and polard and russell and you know it'll be a highly competitive like you can at least sell it like there's some a brand to sell mm. that's gone as well right like yeah i mean you saw what they did i was there in hobart for all their games uh, in the uh, in the T20 World Cup it was i saw their first training session and i told my colleague uh man i've seen a lot of west indies teams in my in my time warm up practice in training 
they just seem something like there's no fizz about this team. Yeah. They, like Are, even when Marlon and Chris Gale wouldn't get along, weren't seeing eye to eye, there was still some energy about training sessions like with the rest of these. Like that, I knew then that this is not going to end well. So what do you Barrett, do? Like, Barrett, can I just I stop mean, you? Let me stop you there. I just want to point out to those listening as well that you sent me a message after that first training session as well. I remember yeah. it. You sent me a message, and I won't I won't say to people exactly what your message said, but that message was actually a foreshadow of what was to come. I've still got it on my phone, and you said that you yeah. sensed that something wasn't right. And as as that tournament unfolded, I was like, "What on <laughs> earth did Barat see that gave it away?" Yeah. So I do want people to just know that Barat is telling one hundred percent the truth here. You know, no thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, I did because I had to message someone. I knew I had to message you guys. I'm like, dude, something's not right. Like this is not this is not. They're not going to coast into round two and make an impact. This is, could have end right here, and which 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 it did. Like even seeing them warm up that morning against Scotland, it was it was cold. It was cold and rainy. It wasn't great weather conditions, but there was no energy about them. And uh, if you remember, six overs, George Muncy played a lot of shots, and there was a rain break. And as they mm. walked off, they didn't even walk off together. There were lots of hand wringing, and people weren't happy with each other. There was a DRS which had been taken, which people weren't happy about. So it was not. It was not looking good at all. So, so that option is ruled out. I actually brought this up on radio once. Like, what do you do? One suggestion, I won't say which former Australian cricketer who actually does take interest in cricket came up with. He said, maybe have an over above 50s tournament, maybe above 50s series. Like, you know, <laughs> so they're still thinking, <laughs> like, you know, maybe have Haynes and Greenwich and Richards and <laughs> Richardson. Look, Richard Richardson's going to be here. I can't wait to meet him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz him. I'm going to make sure he's fit next year do you know recently he won a golf tournament wearing his famous Richie Richardson hat <laughs> he, he sent me a picture which is really cool someone challenged him he said okay I'm going to take you down for a case of beer or three cases of beer whatever it was but um, yeah I mean uh, this really no narrative the, at least for the Australian public the first fear was originally they felt that Australia, West Indies would come during the marquee part of the summer, like come and play Boxing Day and the New Year's Test. Mm. And then Nick Hockley, the CEO, came and said, no, 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 that'll be Pakistan because our summer starts later and West Indies will come in January. Firstly, I really don't know where they're going to uh, host those games because now that Pakistan are playing Melbourne and Sydney, they, the rest, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane, will be like, you know, it'll be a Royal Rumble to get that third Pakistan test. Because honestly, and this is not to disparage the West Indies, I would be the last person to do that. Nobody wants to host a West Indies test after, you know, the way the series played out, which was kind I'm of not surprised. expected. Barra, I'm yeah, not surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said it because I thought that one of, th one of the things that I think they'll do is they'll try and, and I say this with respects to whichever particular state it refers to or area it refers to, they'll go to the quote-unquote lesser cricket yeah. um, stadiums because that's is we're, we're like an indie team, right? So we're gonna we're gonna have to they'll put us in the bingo hall. No, no, it's 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 tr it's true, and, and you know, we are if anything trying our level best to be kind here, right? Like we are, both you and I are. Like it's the. It, it 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 is that bad. It is that sad. And look, and I really do hold world cricket. Uh, I'd say world cricket is the culprit. And I've said this to whoever I've made, I had a chat 
about this too. That the problem is that, and I said this on air one day with Ian Bishop on air, and poor Ian Bishop didn't know what to respond considering he's more a global voice than, or at least he's more, has that worldly wise reputation than, than I do. I am a maverick anyway. So I said like, I, I hate the fact that world cricket loves to romanticize about West Indies cricket. Say, oh, they were so great. Oh, man, when Marshall bowled and Ghana did this. And wouldn't it be great if the West Indies were great again? But what are you doing about it, right? Mm. Like, you just have your hands in your pocket. I know the landscape of cricket has changed. But if you really care about West Indies cricket, you would do something about it. You would make sure they don't play just 18 tests. They play more. That it, There is an incentive for them to play more. Even if it means broadcast rights will not get you the kind of money you want so it's that as well and maybe it's a very utopian thought like you know you can argue why should any why should BCCI or Cricket Australia care about West Indies coming back and being competitive but I mean if world cricket as as, as a whole loves to romanticize about it uh, they need to help the West Indies prop up and at least reach a point where they are competitive Otherwise, look, I know this has been debated and I'm sure you guys have done episodes on this. The whole disbanding of the West Indies as a concept. And people have started talking about it, like even like, you know, some very learned voices on West Indies cricket. When you post this question to them, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, we won't go out and talk about it in the open because they feel that they can't. Mm. But it's it's very much a possibility. If not now, then in the next 10 years, we might well reach that point, especially in terms of test cricket. Well, people, you're sitting when this when this when this episode started, you're like, what are these two gonna kind of concut? <laughs> uh looking at the Australia versus West Indies, reviewing that Australia versus West Indies series. We've covered a lot. We've gone from <laughs> West Indies to India to England back to West Indies and Barrett has ended it with well maybe there's only 10 years left in this whole thing <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so listen Barrett uh, um people don't realize that as we've recorded this uh, as soon as this as soon as I press stop I'm running I'm running to work <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you thank you for giving up your time Barrett um like I say people no this has been a crossover episode so Whichever particular audience you you are, whether you're a West Indies at, uh, on 99.94 or whether you're an Australia on 99.94, please do go and listen to it on whichever particular medium you prefer. And just listen in general to uh, 99.94 because you get really in-depth conversations and chats like this that you probably won't find anywhere else. Thank you, Barra. I'll leave you the last word and then uh, I'll, I'll think it's goodbye from me. Oh, no. I mean, I look... I even though I have kind of given a deadline to West Indies cricket, <laughs> I will keep rallying around the West Indies, you know that. But uh, just going back to what you were saying, uh, this is the platform where you will get to hear about Bruno San Martino <laughs> in Australia versus West Indies. <laughs> so, yeah, you you should sign up and uh, listen to us talk about stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's when I see you, I can't help but, you know, start talking wrestling. So maybe once you're done with work and uh, we get hit the weekend, maybe we should have another recording. And when Santoki is back, we need to have like a get together or coming together of cricket and wrestling. I've told Jared, I'm going to bring Jeff Jarrett on very soon. So maybe we should have <laughs> Jeff Jarrett on and like he's so into his cricket these days that uh, we should have a little chat with him. <laughs> no better way to end the episode ladies and gents it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from barrett stay locked in for some more episodes coming up thanks for listening to west indies on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day please rate review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts 
You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at 994DM and at Carib Cricket. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at Pit Pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.